After I killed them, I dropped a gun in the Thames, washed the residue off my hands in the bathroom of a Burger King, and walked home to await instructions. Shortly thereafter, the instructions came through. Get the fuck out of London, you dumb fucks. Get to Bruges. I didn't even know where Bruges fucking was. It's in Belgium. Welcome, 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 welcome to hopefully your brand new favorite film podcast, A Transatlantic Journey Through the Land of Movies. It's best film ever. My name is Ian. And my name is Liam. Excellent. And if you haven't seen this before, heard this before, I should say, it is an audio format. Um, A couple years ago for Christmas, I bought Liam a poster, which was 100 bucket list films you need to see before you die. And we got through about six or seven of them in about a year. And decided maybe we should actually be documenting this. We have these really good conversations, I felt, after we would watch these films. And then going, kind of think this would be interesting. I'd be interested if I wasn't part of the conversation to uh, listen in on this. Yeah, I think so. Especially if you've seen the film. Yeah, I think it helps if you have seen the film. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we've done two now. This is episode number three. And so, as seems to be the tradition, we have somebody to make sure that our conversation is not fake news, but is indeed factual. So we have created Fact Check Corner. We should come up with a little jingle for Fact Check Corner. Yeah, so if you're out there and you want to <laughs> help us out with a jingle for Fact Check Corner, uh, you can hit us at the Twitter at uh, Best Film Ever Pod. That's at Best Film Ever Pod or Best Film Ever Pod at gmail.com. Or now our brand new Instagram Woo. feed, which is Best Film Ever Pod. <laughs> It's consistency. It's important in branding, I hear. Liam, who is in Fact Check Corner today? We have Ellie in Fact Check Corner today. Hi, guys. Hey, there we are. So, um, let's talk about the world, shall we? Mm. I know. Um, The list of places you can and can't go is getting um, more detailed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Liam, you, you, you run a record shop, I hear. I do. Retro Records and Toys. For all your retro needs. needs. <laughs> What's it been like actually having a business during all this? Oh, tough. These last few days have been real tough. Um, as more desperate measures have been put in place, um, less people are coming into town, less people are spending money on frivolity, if you can call it that. Yeah. Um, it's not a necessity. Um where supermarkets obviously are selling out of stuff, panic buying and stuff. Uh, but as my shop goes, it's just how do you, an independent store like myself, how do we stay open when we have no idea how long yeah. it's going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, it's worrying times for me. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm not it's uplifting. It's <laughs> uplifting start your podcast, everybody. And, uh, <laughs> Ellie, you work in sales and there's a social element to it. How have things been for you? Yeah, um, tough. So my job involves going around and holding pamper parties in people's houses. And I obviously can't go into people's houses at the minute. So that makes things a little tricky. So it's just trying to stay positive and embrace the online world. Yeah. Um, as- oh, don't get me wrong. I'm still positive. I, I, I will be, you know. Woo! <laughs> But yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, yeah. day by day. 
Now, uh, Boris Johnson and the press, whatever you believe, that schools are now closed, but uh, schools are very much still open, and uh, it's kind of uh, we're, we're up to head back in the new the new week. We have not really any idea who's showing up or what's going on. Um, so we say schools are closed, but I know everybody who I know is still in. And you really feel for a generation of young people, both at year 11 and year 13, who don't know what all their hard work's gone towards. And that, and they look to you as the adult, and we're used to being the one who gives them the answers, either through experience or through expertise. And neither of those two things helped me here. And so last week was, was, was challenging, definitely, when you put the human side of it on. And it was just heartbreaking that um, they didn't get a chance to show what they could do when they knew it counted. Yeah. Like when when you know it, it's similar to I mean we're all involved in the Amdram world in some capacity and I know a young man who um was directing for a sixth form uh production of Little Women and they got to the dress rehearsal and they took all the pictures and then they had to cancel the show and it's canceled. It's not postponed, it is canceled and you're just heartbroken to go. Wow. Hopefully all that hard work. Hopefully what they had together, hopefully they can take that away. Because yeah. you're not going to get the payoff, which is kind of what we all kind of do it for, I think, is the joy of performing in front of a crowd, a crowd who hasn't seen it 50 times. Mm. And to not have that, it's um, it's heartbreaking. It's the one where I can come back to. And it's obviously affecting the world of films and movies. Yeah. Our Shutting down film sets and all sorts. Film sets, film film exhibitions. Yeah. I mean, um, many films have been put on the back burner until after the coronavirus has stopped. I mean, Tom Hanks, obviously, his film uh, had to shut down the one on El- I think it's called, it's called Elvis. Oh, really? I hear it's about a singer of some sort. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. <laughs> what amount to anything. Uh, and they've had to shut it down for the time being. He's in Australia and he got the coronavirus and uh, he and his wife are sort of shelled up there. They've been released now, which uh, discharged... Which, a funny story, Donald Trump apparently heard the word that Tom Hanks has been discharged and thought he'd died. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> they say his aides were worried he was going to, like, tweet out, like, condolences. <laughs> Just totally something he'd do. Tom Hanks. <laughs> um, and then your film sets have been shut down. But then even the, the exhibitions, uh, or, or the exhibitors, I should say, I mean, our good friends, The Majestic and King's Lynn. Yeah. Doors are shut. Um, really all entertainment venues. I mean, bars have been shut, and we have some friends who work in... DJing and karaoke and things like that. And it's just, it's tough time. It's tough for everybody. I mean, I don't know. You use the word frivolity and it's interesting. Is film, is art, is it a frivolity? Well, in a sense, yes. But is it the kind of thing you kind of need to morally to, to, to push you through? Because yeah. what are people running towards now? They're running towards streaming services to see films and television shows and give them some entertainment while they're confined. So a lot of people, while they're in self-isolation, these are the things that are getting them through it. So much so that apparently uh, YouTube, Amazon, and Netflix are all reducing their streaming quality. Oh, really? Because the, the demand for it is oh, so uh, high oh, that okay. the servers can't handle it. Well, I heard um, yesterday that Wonder Woman, the new Wonder Woman movie, mm-hmm. is going to be streamed. Oh, is it? Rather than released in the cinema. So okay. Yeah. Maybe. And like the, the new Trolls film is doing that, and yeah. um, that's Universal. And um, bum, bum. <laughs> you have to go way back to the early days of best film ever to get that one well, two episodes ago <laughs> but um and you have that and that's, that's a pretty bleak time because we talked in the first episode about these films we're looking forward to in the summer about maverick yeah and um the mcu phase four and things of that nature and i don't know when we'll get to see him no so um Hopefully you're here to listen to it. You're, you're finding some some hidden gems out there. On there's, there's a world of choice, but that 
art of going out to a film and the things we're conditioned to do kind of disappearing, I think. Yeah. 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 So, um, a bit of a bittersweet tone, which might lead us into a bit of a thing uh, on the film we're doing today. But I want to talk about, a little segmentally, I might like to call Reflections and Corrections. Oh. Reflections and Corrections. You see, it's catchy because it rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Is this where we talk about the last film in the last podcast? I want to talk about the last podcast of the last film a bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the first reflection is that if you heard it, the audio quality was not... I didn't like it as the person who was sort of mixing it together. It sounded really good in my headphones. And then as I do, as I always do, uh, I publish it and then I listen to it in the car on the way to work. And I go, this sounds horrible. <laughs> and it was because, uh, for those of you, I'm going to bore you a little bit technical uh, setup. Uh, I had a mixer that only allowed for two microphones to be plugged in. And we really wanted to mic George up for last week. So what can we do? So I had a little lavalier mic or a lapel mic, you might call it. And we plugged that into a, into a DSLR camera and recorded the audio and just stripped the, the, the video away, which in theory would be fine. But George has got a kind of a soft voice. And in order to get that caught through the mic, I had to turn it up so loud. Basically, it's just me and you coming through her mic as well. Oh, yeah. So I couldn't separate them. And um, as a result, we had a mm. large part of the way, which was, it was disappointing. <laughs> it was. And then everything I noticed is uh, for those of you at home, uh, we could all sort of, we, we all have headphones on as we listen to uh, as we're as we're talking and it's coming through the mix. But because George is being recorded in that camera off to the side, um, she's not her voice wasn't coming through our our headphones last week. So as I was listening to it, Liam, I was going, "Well, there's times where George is trying to trying to chip in here, and we're talking over, him. and we just talk right over her." And I, I thought it was important <laughs> to state. <laughs> That yes, we do get excited about our conversation yeah, we and, we, and we can run away with it. But her voice not coming through the headphones to a degree uh, is gonna, was was causing problems because listening to it, there was no part where you or I raise our voice to, t- to try and talk over her. <laughs> I think we just didn't register it was coming through. So We to, apologize, Georgia. We do apologize to Georgia and we would like to invite Georgia back next week on the film to, that, to, re- to do Fat Check Corner again and hopefully, hopefully have a more equal part of that conversation. And have her in our ear. Yeah. Thanks, guys. And, that, and, and that's a yes, I think. I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm hearing in some capacity that's a yes. It's not coming through the headphones, but it's a yes. Yeah. So uh, what we've done, though, is we've upgraded the mixer. So it Ooh. takes four microphones now. We don't have four microphones, but it could do four microphones. This is going to spread. So we shouldn't have the problem with Ellie's mic that we had with George. If we talk over Ellie this week, I don't have any excuse to put a front load of it. <laughs> Do you hear anything? I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that was the first thing. And then a little bit about um, a week later, how do you feel about um, Amelie? Hmm. Because I've thought about it a lot this week. I still got the same view I had when I watched it, really. Because I read some reviews and did some thinking. It, st- it stayed with me. I'll give it this. It did stay with me. I wasn't expecting it to. Yeah. And so I, was gonna, I read a review from The Guardian where he called it the most sickly sweet dose of filmmaking maybe ever. He gave it three stars. So he was all right with it. But he said, it's just so sweet. And I think that's kind of my issue with it. Was She's just so quirky. God dang it. And it's going yeah. to go. You know, oh, she's going to fix everything. Oh, isn't she quirky and he's quirky? Shouldn't they end up together? But I defy anybody to say that film is not artistically great. I agree, but I do have a question for you. Go. What year is it supposed to be set in? Oh, I'm going to say late 40s. You see, 
that's what it feels like, isn't Doesn't it? Doesn't it? But they're talking about Princess Diana's death. Oh, the whole of time. course, 1997. And that's the thing. So that's too early 2000s. It's not, it's supposed to be in 97. Oh, it is 97. It was released in 2000. Oh, that's right, yeah. It's supposed yeah, to be yeah. set in 97. But if you look at that film, it feels like 1940s Paris. It does, yeah. There's not one indicator of anything modern anywhere wow. there. Wow. So I kind of feel he cheats a bit. Yeah. Um, however, I will say this I kind of went on a hill last week about the scene where she's helping the blind guy across the street. Yeah. And I said, she's making it up. That's right. So I went for a deep dive today. Ooh. And I went and I found the director's commentary. Okay. And I looked it up. And? I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Good is never wrong. He is So we went through that and it was just the idea that he, um, apparently um, the, the director and writer was such a, in his neighborhood previously, there were a lot of blind guys, and he kind of had this image about what it would... He wanted to put that in a film earlier and never got around oh, to doing okay. it, and so he wrote it into this. And it's just the funny thing now is, um, like, the, the blind people who cross the road now, like, they, they, they get a lot of help because people are kind of emulating the film and doing the same thing. I didn't realize, I forgot, there's this great special effect after she helps him cross the road where he looks up, and he's kind of bathed in this golden light, and I forgot about that. And maybe if I'd realized that, I might have gone, well, maybe. That was a nice little scene, though. It I was a nice little it was scene. very fast-paced, but it was, it was a really nice little it scene. It might be my favorite scene in the film, actually. Yeah. That and the one where she's messing with the guy's football on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. That was brilliant. And that sort of lines up. It's a different feeling for the film uh, today, because that's really all I had uh, on the film. I think I say it with me. Uh, I did say that I thought I didn't like it as much as Breakfast at Tiffany's. I'm going to reverse that a bit. I'm going to say after a week on, I think I liked it better from Breakfast at Tiffany's, although they, so they both suffer from the same flaw. Uh, I, I, um, I like Breakfast at Tiffany's that slightly bit better. There's a, and there's a spoiler when we get around to doing that one eventually. <laughs> <laughs> now you guys know we like a better of an Amelie or worse than Amelie. <laughs> If you can keep track of where it falls in the great pantheon. <laughs> we just want to make sure we don't do it next week. That's all. Okay. Um, so, uh, and that leads us into today's film, which is... Oh, do you want to say anything about Amelie? Ellie? Um, I really liked it. Um, it was actually the third time that I've watched Amelie. Um, so it was my DVD that we watched. So mm-hmm. um, the first time I watched it, I hated it. And um, the second time I was sort of warming to it a bit more and the third time so last week i was actually quite enjoying it so maybe if i watch it a fourth time it'll be my favorite film ever but do you think it's because the first time you watched it like myself is it because there's so much to take in so you don't take it all in to start with so more watches you take more in and understand it more yeah possibly that's why it grows Um, and also obviously dealing with the fact that it's um, subtitled as well yeah perhaps means it's a little bit more difficult to take it all on board the first time but i think the main thing is that it's just so weird it's a very very unusual film in lots of different ways and the character of amelie is very quirky as well so there's so much to sort of wrap your head around that's just completely different that i think I totally Once agree. you start to get used to her, then you enjoy it more. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that Liam needs to watch the film two more times, <laughs> and yeah. then he will love it as well. Yeah. Looking th- back, I really wish, and maybe we'll ask her next week when she's got a microphone on. Um, not that we want to talk about Amelie forever, but George made a comparison of that with uh, Alice in Wonderland, and I kind of thought it's a shame we didn't unpack that metaphor a little bit more because I would have been interested in hearing kind of how that works out uh and that'll be right but just kind of thought we could go down that rabbit hole and on that note <laughs> on that note we got another rabbit hole to go down there, but though not quite as uh, colorful today uh we are going to talk about in bruges mm. in bruggies 
Never seen it. Uh, yeah, you've never seen it. No. And Ellie? I have seen it. Um, I don't remember that much about it. I think I liked it and I can remember one big spoiler scene, but I'm really looking forward to watching it again. Okay, that's the sign of a good film. I think okay. I remember it. I think there's one key part. Um, my thing with him, Bruges, I've seen it before, is that I had a colleague who uh, just wouldn't stop talking about it. He said, you really like films? I went, yeah, yeah, yeah I do. They go, you have to see him, Bruges, you have to see him, Bruges, then you have to go to Bruges. No, oh, okay, okay. It seems like a big commitment, but maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll watch it. Just slightly. And it just so happened I was flying home to Canada on an Easter break or a Christmas break or something like that, just like literally a couple of weeks later. And the film had been out for quite some time. And it was uh, it was available on that little iPad they put in the you know in the headrest in front of. You. If you fly transatlantic, yeah. you tend to get the, sort do. of the nice things like that. <laughs> it's they're going to spend eight hundred pounds to fly across an ocean. They at least can give you that. <laughs> yeah. And I uh, watched it, and uh, yeah, so I've remembered it ever since then. I'll sort of leave it like that. I won't give an opinion on it. Uh, I'm very in- interested in talking about it though. And um, it came out. I think it was two thousand eight. I should have written that down somewhere. I believe it's 2008. I'll verify that on the back side of it. But we'll ask Fact Check Corner. Fact Check Corner can go if ahead can, and uh, get on with that. With me. There we go. <laughs> so what's going on? IMDb rating in Bruges, because you've heard of it, I'm assuming. Right? I've heard of it, yeah. yeah. I know Colin Farrell's in it. Yeah, it's written by Martin McDonough, who would later go on to great fame about a decade later with uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Wow. What a film. And you've seen that, I guess. I have. Yes. Oh, my God. Such a dark, dark film. Yeah. But such a story of redemption. So it'll be interesting because you're a big fan of that film that I'm coming and seeing this one. I'm that much of a big fan of that film mm-hmm. that I feel it's the best film I've seen in the last 10 years. It's a big statement. Wow. It's, it's a big statement. I don't know if it's one you can disagree with too much because I think when I saw Three Billboards, I had a similar thought. It opened my eyes to so much. I think I went, it's been a long time since I've seen a film that was that good. It kind of slapped me around the face a few times and <laughs> you're just kind of like, wow. You know, Absolutely. When you hear the story and the premise of it, you think this is not going to be good. Yeah. Like, but, I'm going to sit there for two and a half hours and yeah, watch pain. Pain, yeah. Pain and grief. But in that pain, there's so much comedy. And dark humor. Dark humor. Dark so humor. much. Yeah. And gripping. And you, feel, and you feel bad for laughing. But, you, yeah. but it's... And nothing goes into that comic booky kind of crazy, like, yeah, he wouldn't really do that. No. It's, all, it's all believable. Every yeah, action a character absolutely. does feels like an organic... Uh, effect of what came before it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, IMDb on Imbruge. Any thoughts? I believe Amelie was 8.3. I believe Back to the Future was 7.4. Imbruge, just from its reputation. Any thoughts? 6.7. 6.7 is quite low. Um, Ellie? I don't know. <laughs> I have literally no idea. I'm really easy. It's just guess a number between 0 and 10 and put a decimal point in there. I've never seen Seven it. 7.0. So. One. 7.1. It actually comes out 7.9. Ooh. So, you know. That is good. That's quite high. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Back to the Future 7.4. It is one of those critical darlings. I think people who like it really like it. Okay. And people who don't get it. I'm hoping I'm really going to be one of the converted. It. You're hoping you're going to be 7.9 or above. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be, absolutely. It'll be interesting when we come back at the yeah. other side of it and say, do we do higher or lower than, because um, we were both above the score for... Back to the Future, and we're both below the score for Amelie. So what was the Rotten Tomatoes? As you would say in your country, or... <laughs> rotten Tomatoes. As I would say in my country. I like how we flipped it around this time. A bit, a bit <laughs> <laughs> um, 
it was 84%. The critics really liked oh, it. Oh, good, yeah, good, yeah. good. I'm looking forward to this then. So, yeah, I mean, it, it got nominated for one Oscar for original screenplay, which was actually the same no, uh, Oscar category that we saw Amelie yeah. uh, nominated for last time. It did win the BAFTA as well for best screenplay, so should be looking for, for fairly clever clever script. And Go, uh, Colin Farrell did win the uh, Golden Globe for best actor. Oh, good. As a result of this. So I think they called it a comedy, which has to be an interesting question on the backside of this is what genre do you actually put this in? Because I think like three billboards, it may play with those lines just a little bit. Yeah. So I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking forward to I'm it now. Looking forward to this. <laughs> and before we jump into the film, I think we've got something from Fact Check Corner. We certainly have. I'd just like to confirm that In Bruges did come out in 2008. Oh, this is, so. this is good. You're, you're so far just confirming that I'm right. I like this. Yes. <laughs> if this is how it keeps Redemption going. from last week. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a bruise is more of my kind of a factual film. Um, so with that in mind, we're going to go ahead. We're going to jump in and watch In Bruges now. So uh, in the blink of an ear, we'll be back and uh, we will see what we thought of In Bruges. Touch right. on the flip side. It's Ken. Listen to this noise. Do you know what that is? I know you know it's a train. Do you know what train? Well, it's a train that Ray just got on. And he's alive and he's well and he doesn't know where he's going and neither do I. So if you need to do your worst, do your worst. You've got the address of the hotel. I'll be here waiting. Because I've got to quite like Bruges now. It's like a fucking fairy tale or something. at the start, we have a new uh, addition to the uh, BFE studio here in uh, East Anglia. We have a studio gnome. And what is the name of this gnome? The name of the gnome is uh, Rufus. Oh, what, like is in um, Bill and Ted? No, not like Bill and Ted, unfortunately. No, no, it's the actor who played Amelie's father. Of course. His name was Rufus. We said he was like all the single-named greats, like Cher, Madonna, Beyonce, and Carl. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, Carl from Retro Records, Records and, and Toys. toys. <laughs> <laughs> my, my my goal is if we could name drop him once every episode, every episode, definitely. and just if he ever does go back to Louis, like, why do you guys always talk about me? Because you don't listen. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. simply that. So uh, in Bruges, in Bruges, what do we think? I really liked it. I thought it was quite a, an uplifting film. To Up, be fair, uplifting is a very interesting way to describe <laughs> that. Well, it, in all the darkness, there was. Uh, well, how can I explain it? It was with um, Colin Farrell's part, Ray. Um, he, he, even though he was a hitman, once he realised he'd killed a child, it was. It really affected him. Yeah. So, and and you don't expect people like this to have feelings. You don't expect them to feel that way. You know, and his mate, um, Ken, 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 who's been a professional hitman for so long, mm-hmm. 
you know, you'd expect him to be cold, calculated, and everything else. And he's not. Yeah, this film is very much about the grey. Yeah. Both on, on both sides of it, actually. Even even when we finally meet our antagonist and we personify him, which takes a while. And you forget very early on that they're hitmen as such. You kind of push that to the back. Yeah, we, we forgive them very early for yeah. that. Uh, yeah. Um, Ellie, thoughts on it just kind of holistically at the start? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was it was really watchable and I could quite easily go back and watch it several more times and not get bored of the film. Yeah. So not like Amelie, you don't need to go through three times to get a good, <laughs> a good viewing of it. No, but I have seen this once before, I can remember. Oh, that's true, that's true. On time two, we're like, yeah, I think I like this. Yeah, so next time I'll love it. Next time you'll love it. Um, okay, so let's uh, begin with a, a bit of a deep dive. Shall we? Well, mm-hmm. it's a deep dive. Let's do a deep dive. Uh, so let's start. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, as the film opens, we get this uh, lovely haunting, was the word I, I was using, this haunting score. And uh, we open with shots of of Bruges, right? Of the city itself, of city landmarks. Before we get introduced to the characters, we get introduced to the setting at night, no less, which is, uh, which is quite important, I think, as we go on. We said last time, uh, no, two times ago, Back to the Future, how many of the scenes were at night. And a lot yeah. of the scenes in this were at night, I think, to... Uh, I think it's a great effect. And also, it pays off. And just the script, as we go through, the script is so cleverly written that so many lines which seem almost incircumstantial yeah. or just lines to get you out of a scene uh, end up being callbacks as you go through. I think if you watch it again the second time, it's my second time seeing the film, you pick up on just how many things they set up so early. <laughs> so um, I argue here that the city is a character. The city of Bruges is very much a character within the Yeah, I agree, I agree with that. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not just anywhere. Anywhere couldn't have no. filled this niche. It couldn't have been in Cologne. I like the fact it was such a beautiful place and there was no there's no negativeness about the place yeah. and yet everything about them was a negative energy it was really interesting that every other character loves bruges yeah and ray just hates it yeah yeah so we get introduced to our narrator who is ray at the start he only narrates the very first bit we find out he's very very funny and he goes where the he, i'll pause instead of the natural word <laughs> but uh, where the f-bomb is bruges and then he pauses for a moment and he goes it's in belgium <laughs> as if they answer the question the audience is probably going to where is bruges and Isn't um that almost exactly repeated later on as well yes in uh, in harry's house i think harry's wife asks him where bruges is and he put it's in belgium mm-hmm. um and we get introduced to our two, I, I argue, main characters. We get Ray, the young hitman, played by Colin Farrell. And we get Ken, the older hitman, played by Dominic Gleeson. Yeah, well, you're led to believe that he's a professional hitman. He's done many, many killings. But yeah. he only turns around and says he did one. Yeah, they hold that back for a bit. Yeah. Fact that was corner, Brendan Gleeson. Oh, Brendan Gleeson, not Dominic Gleeson. Thank you. Oh, the name of an actor. That's not a good start for me. Brendan Gleeson. <laughs> Would you like to go back to that bit again? Nope, no, I'm going to own that one. That's fine. Okay. We, we definitely need to have the fact that people earn their, well, not yeah. money. It's not money, but yeah. <laughs> um, and as they're walking around Bruges, um, Ken is just delighted at everything he sees in the history and whatnot. And Ray just looks miserable. And at the start, you're just kind of going, okay, it's just the old guy who loves his culture and the young guy who'd rather be anywhere else, do anything else. And um, we find out very quickly that um, Ray shot someone in London. 
It's about all we get. They shoot someone in London and they have to be in Bruges for two weeks. Let this thing die down. And they're waiting for a, home, a phone call from Harry. That's all we get is this mythical Harry. Yeah. And for a large part of the film, he is just this mythical Harry. Well, we, we, we suddenly, we, well, we know straight away that he's Mr. Big. He is Mr. Big. You, you know that. But you think you're just going to kind of leave him as this faceless sort yeah. of voice of malice. And he yeah. just is a symbol and represents. And so actually when they do the reveal, uh, which we'll come to in a bit, uh, I think it has quite some power because it comes out of nowhere. I think it comes out of nowhere. Narratively, it doesn't. But you just I think you've been conditioned at that point. I'm never going to see this guy. Yeah. And at the start, we don't even hear his voice. He's just an idea. He is Harry. And um, so <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to argue <laughs> myself. Can I say this line? Um, <laughs> and Ken is trying to convince Ray that Bruges is really something special. And Ray says, if I grew up on a farm... And argues if he was mentally challenged, he uses a different word, but I will say mentally challenged, uh, Bruges might just impress me. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the first of about eight very un-PC comments that he makes. Yeah, I like the way he's so unfiltered, but he's not um, unfiltered in the way that he's being mean to somebody or down-putting somebody in such. He's just stating a fact. Yeah. And his mate, um, what's his name? Ken. Ken, backs it up. When they talk about the American going up the t- up the tower, yeah, yeah, and that weren't like a, a no, forcible thing. He just said, "Are you sure? You know, you." Yeah, and it's interesting because originally they're both written as Englishmen, but when um, they ended up going to Brendan Gleeson and to <laughs> Colin Farrell, they just let them be Irish. Yeah, which uh, I think was a it was a nice touch, especially they did some stuff with the music later on to back that up. Yeah, and then Tour of Bruges ends with our first shot of the bell tower, which becomes a central location in the film yeah and there's this great and he says come on up the bell tower come on up it'll it'll impress you and Ray's like well what will I see the view I can see the view from here I'm not impressed with the view from here and Ken just goes on without him and he goes and he's supposed to pay five euro to get in and he's got four dollar four euros and 95 90 cents 90 sorry four and 90 cents and as a result of the four and 90 he has to pay with notes. And so he's, he puts the coin in. You get introduced to this minor character of the uh, Bell Tower tour, not tour guide, ticket office, I suppose, yeah. who's just absolutely to a letter of the law. It is yeah. what it is, and that's what it'll be. Yeah. So he goes on up, and you have this moment where Ken's by himself, and he looks down, and he sees um, Ray at the bottom of the Bell Tower, and he kind of takes his finger like it's a gun and m- mimics shooting him. Which was a really interesting, because I'm kind of going, okay, is that for, why are they here? We don't know why they're here. Is there something sinister in this? And it's not. I think it's just an old hitman. Yeah. Doing. Or do you think he knew the reason they were going to Bruges, in hindsight, was for that? Um, well, I think they were waiting for a job, weren't they? But yeah. they didn't know what it was going to be. I think he's, I think he might suspect it could be a thing. Yeah. But I don't think he thinks it's a thing only because of how much it hits him when it turns out that is the thing later. Yeah, because he does, yeah. Yeah, because he's quite emotionally um, affected by that. And meanwhile, then we flash back and we leave um, Ray, not Ray, we leave Ken at the top of the bell tower and we go back to Ray at the bottom. And some Americans stumble by and they're and they're big people. <laughs> yeah. And they, just, they tell them they're going up the the up the bell tower and they say have you been up the bell tower sir 
And he says, yeah, it's rubbish. <laughs> he goes, well, the, the, the guidebook is really, really good. And so Ray's just messing with them and goes, well, it's all skinny little corridors to get up there. You'll never get up there. Makes quite a few jokes about their size. At which point the father gets all mad and goes to chase Ray. But, of course, he can't catch Ray because Ray's Colin Farrell, young and in shape. And um, as this is going on, Ken emerges from, from the, the, the clock tower. And um, the family of Americans walk by. He goes, you're not going up the valley. And he just, he just stayed matter of fact. Oh, that's very narrow. I don't think you should get up there. And, and, and they swear at him. And but I don't think Colin Farrell meant it. Is you know being vindictive. I just think he meant it by looking at the characters. Oh, Colin Farrell's having a wind up. Is he? Oh, I'm so because he lies to him. This is rubbish. He's never been up there. Mm. So the whole thing's designed. That ain't the way I saw it, but yeah, is it not? No, I, I, I think no, he is I just totally saw it as he just has an unfi- He's just unfiltered. Well, he is unfiltered. I, I don't. And, and he just says what it is. He's not biased towards anybody. He's just. He's just the way he is. Right, but he, but he, but he hasn't been up there. No, so it's a bit I, of both. Yeah, yeah. Because as we find out, he's not in a good headspace. No. To say the least. I think he's just trying to find some entertainment in Bruges because he's found it such a dull place so far. He's trying to make his own fun. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And so he's going to stir up. And, and Americans, it seems like he's, as we find out, he's got a bit of an axe to grind against Americans. <laughs> or Canadians. Well, well. <laughs> does he, though? We'll come back to that. And so we kind of go ahead and then... The boys go back to their hotel room where they have to stay in one shared room for the two weeks. And Ray wants to go out. He cannot be alone. And we just think he can't be alone because he's um, he's just young and bored and impatient. When in actuality, I think he's looking for something to drown out the noise in his head. Yeah. I think as we go along, we I see that. that. And so he says, let's go out. And Ken goes, where do you want to go? He goes, let's go to the pub. He goes, no, we're not going to the pub. <laughs> And so as a last ditch Hail Mary goes, well, let's go out and see some more of that culture, the churches, the old, the old medieval churches. <laughs> yeah, I bet they look better in the dark when they're all lit up. <laughs> yeah. And it works. It does. And we said earlier, didn't we, that it's off, most of the film is set in the dark and there's a lot of the architecture shown at that point. And I don't know if that's symbolic, the idea about lightness and darkness and shadows and things not being as they maybe appear to be. I thought that was quite interesting that through the film, you mentioned it while we were watching, how you see the bell tower yeah. quite a lot. Yeah, it's featured very It heavily. becomes poignant towards the end, doesn't yeah. it, of what it is. Um, and so they go out. And the best part is, though, as they're going out looking at the culture, <laughs> if you're very careful, you can see... Ray somehow has got himself a bottle of beer. That's right. As they're going out to look at the <laughs> so somewhere along the way, he managed to get to a pub or something and take a bottle with him. Yeah. So they both got their sort of wish. And um, then they stumble upon a film set for the first time. And uh, Ray says, his words, not mine, they're filming something. And then it hits him, they're filming midgets. <laughs> and this is when we first meet uh, sort of our two main Brugian characters, if you will. Well, two of them. Jimmy who is the little person being re- referred to, and Marie, who works on the film set, although we, f- we don't really know to what. Or she implies she works on the film set. I don't think... Chloe? Oh, Chloe, Chloe, not Marie. No, Chloe. no, Marie, sorry, Marie was... At, Marie is, is, that, is the, Marie's at the, the, the hotel... The hotel landlady. Yeah, yeah, I like her. The owner. Yeah, she's great. Sorry, uh, Chloe and Jimmy. And um, at which point then, um, Ray decides he's got to pick up Chloe, and his entry line is, you know, a lot of midgets kill themselves. <laughs> and he kind of goes to the reasons for this. Is just keep an eye on on the one in your movie. Make make sure he doesn't do that. And again, it's this idea of he just says the most inappropriate thing 
But somehow with his Irish charm, it seems to work. See, I don't think she is on the movie set. Is that just one of her lines? I think or she she's had, selling drugs she's to She's selling him. drugs to... To the... To, the Jimmy. to Jimmy, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because at the end, he has a moment where he's talking about his plan, about how, 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 how in his words, midgets, a lot of midgets kill themselves. And he goes, should they, should that, you're a midget? Of course, he finishes by saying, of course you're going to blow your head off. Um, Which, if you let that oh, resonate with what happens yeah. later in the film, I'm yeah. just going to let it hang there, just in yeah, case. Yeah, yeah, of course. But that was, I was sitting there going, oh, that's clever. Yeah. That's really clever. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Ken, at that point, they return back to the hotel room, and Ken finds out, uh, at least by himself, he goes, he's missed a call from Harry. And it's a, it's a phone call full of uh, expletives. <laughs> And then he goes to sleep and he realizes he's in trouble with Harry. It seems to really bother him. He's done. He's let down the big, the big boss, Mr. Big, whatever Mr. we call big, him. Yeah. yeah. And then Ray comes home after having a nice night with Chloe. They've, he's met a girl. He's got her number. And he comes in and he brags about how many drinks he's had. Yeah, and he, he comes does. down to six pints and seven vodkas and he didn't get, he didn't get drunk. And he's quite proud of the fact he didn't get drunk. Did he say vodkas or bottles? I think he said bottles. Oh, is it six... Is it six pints and then seven bottles? Yeah. Oh, okay. Bottles. Bottles. Well, I don't want to go bottles. You have to listen hard because I sound like bottles. <laughs> bottles, I said. I, I, bottles. Okay. Bottles. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so he's had that and he hasn't been able to get to get drunk as uh, as a result of this. And so I'm going to leave that there. I'm going to come back to that, I think, later, because there's a bit of a theory about in Bruges, and I think I've, I may have stumbled oh, okay. onto something. Um, and this is when Ken first plants the idea that I think we're in Bruges for a job. I don't think we're here just, just to lay low. We, we, we can lay low anywhere. Yeah. Why come to Bruges? And Harry can get a gun anywhere. We don't need to get anything special about this place. Um, oh, I've lost my spot. Oh, so... Uh, for, then they get to the morning and they make a deal that Ray will hang out with uh, Ken for the day and do all his culture stuff if he'll let Ray go on the date with the girl in the evening. Yeah, of course. And then Ken will stay. And wait for the phone call. And wait, wait for the phone call. And it is the deal they make. And um, during their day out where they're doing all the culture and Ray's just acting like a petulant child <sighs> everywhere he goes, uh, we get the flashback. Yeah. And the flashback is that, yep, Ray has killed before. He killed a priest. Um, he goes to confession and says, I've killed someone. Oh, why'd you kill someone for money? Well, why would you kill someone for money? Because I don't know who, who did you kill? And he goes, you. And then he shoots the priest. And he shoots him like three, four times. I oh, see. I think the, the priest is the first person he's killed. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 And so she's like, like, so the, the whole idea is that when he goes in for confession, the priest oh. is led to believe that the, oh, the okay. murders already happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But in, in, in the crossfire, I guess one of the bullets uh, goes through the priest and hits this little boy. And it's this little boy who's ready to go in for confession. He's got three things on his list of things he needs to confess about. It's so sad. It is very sad. Uh, he says he's, he needs to confess that he gets moody. Yeah. He needs to confess that he gets sad, and he needs to confess that he's bad at maths. Oh, <laughs> and he just and then we see um, Ken as Ray's not dealing with it well, as I think most people would not. No, they didn't. Um, in comes Ken and sort of grabs him, and out they go. And we realize this is why they're on the run. This is why they're out of London. This yeah. is why they're in Bruges. 
And they start a conversation as they look at a painting called The Last Judgment. And they look at this and they go, we start talking about heaven, we start talking about hell, and they start talking about purgatory. And purgatory being the place, I think Catholics believe in purgatory is the big one. And the concept is, if you're not bad enough for hell, but you're not good enough for heaven, purgatory, it's not limbo, you don't stay there forever. But purgatory is a place that you go and you sort of – it's kind of spiritual prison. You you sort of pay for your oh, okay. impurities or your wrongs or your sins. Yeah. And then when that's deemed to have been enough time and you've been absolved, then you get to go to heaven. Okay. But it's a place of waiting. Yeah. It's a place of not necessarily torment but a place of um, – that's just holding you back. It's just a thin place that you don't want to be. Like in Bruges. Which sounds a lot like it being in Bruges. Yeah. Okay. So the metaphor here is, is Ray actually alive? Oh. Or is Bruges actually purgatory and we're watching it take place? I never thought of that. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit deep. But remember, well, at least what I said a couple of months ago, Ray can't get drunk. Yes. He drinks and he drinks and he drinks and everything seems to go his way. He wins every battle. Nothing yeah. goes yeah, that does. wrong for him. That's right. Yeah. He gets the girl. He's got he's got, he's got a guardian angel in many ways. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like nothing really that bad seems to happen to him. Yeah. Um so let's just sort of put that for a bit. And even um, when he's shot like seven times. Yeah. He just still keep moving. <laughs> yeah. And so so the great thing is, after we have this flashback and we have this moment, thought about heaven and hell, we have this wonderful two shot of the two of them sitting by some fountain or whatnot, and they're talking about what does it mean to be a good person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Ken says, "Oh, I try to be a good person." Da, 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 da. But then he goes, "Of course, I do have to sort of reconcile the fact that I'm a hitman and I kill people. Yeah, not a lot of people, but even Ken admits there's one person I killed I shouldn't have. Yeah, and he regrets that." And uh, they both kind of seem to make excuses for each other about why the person they didn't want to kill wasn't their fault. Yeah. So Ray says, well, he came at you with a bottle. You had to shoot him. He's like, yeah, but he was a 50-year-old lollipop man. (laughs) I didn't have to shoot him. He was just sticking up for his brother. Yeah. And so you could argue, are both of them serving their time? Yeah. Paying their penance? Yeah. For, what was the name of the painting? The final judgment of a last oh, judgment. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So is Bruges where they have their final judgment on a symbolic Actually, level? Actually, everything, yeah, it's making sense. Yeah, it's very cleverly because written. Even yeah, later on in the film, isn't it? When he when he jumps, yep, yeah. it should he should be killed. It's a compl- and it, yeah, he should, and you can sort of forgive that maybe if it's not literal. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, never thought of that. So I think at the end of the film, though, doesn't Ray refer to Bruges as hell rather than as... Well, he says maybe it is hell, the idea of staying there. Maybe it's hell. Maybe it's hell. Maybe it's not quite that far. Maybe it's hell. (laughs) Maybe, And if we want to talk about maybe it is hell and maybe his punishment is that everybody else is getting out through death. Yeah. And he's not. he's not, yeah. So maybe that's why everything, nothing bad happens to him in the grand scheme of things because his punishment is to stay there because he hates it. Yeah. Um... So, but we do see at this point when they're by the fountain, Ray breaks down for the first time. He tears up and he really has, he's like, I shot a little boy. Yeah. And he'll never get to not be a little boy and I'll always have that. And um, Ken tries to go, okay, fine. Then you go and you and you do something good and you make up for this, but you in a bad way. Because we start to find out here that Ray's somewhat suicidal. 
Yeah, very. And uh, he's not too right. And so Ken talks Ray to suicide for now. And then we transpose this with the date. And he goes on out on the date with Chloe. Not Murray, but Chloe. And they're doing that bit. They say, what do you do for a living? <laughs> and Ray just goes, I shoot people. <laughs> and she goes, oh, do you? Who do you shoot? And he goes, priests. Oh, and, and children. <laughs> and she laughs along because she thinks it's just some sort of game that they play. And then they respond with, uh, she says that she sells cocaine. <laughs> There's a bit of a pause. And he goes, do I really look like the kind of person who would sell cocaine? And he goes, no. And he says, do I look like the kind of person who would really shoot somebody? And she goes, no. Just children. <laughs> and we stopped it. And we, re- and we re- re- rewatched that yeah. bit because you see him break. Because yeah. we know how painful that is. And she thinks she's just being playful. Yeah, just being funny. It's one of those dark... And, and a film full of so much dark humor. This is like, oh. Yeah, very... Although we do discover later on she's not being quite as playful as we thought she was. Yeah, I think, yeah, they're both dealing with difficult ideas about who they are. Yeah. Trying to find comfort in other people. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I think, then I think they both see the good in each other. Even though they're going through dark times of themselves. Yeah. And that's what they're drawn to each other. Yeah, they are. They are. But they're always fighting as well. Yeah. And they have an argument because for some reason Ray just decides to go Bruges. Uh, he swears, but he basically calls the place. I'm trying to think of a nice way you can say it. It's not swearing and violating our, 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 our policies. He call, He basically calls it a toilet. Shall we say that? <laughs> yeah, we can say that. He says, Bruges, Bruges is a toilet. She goes, this is my hometown. He says, yeah, I don't care. It's still a toilet. Okay. <laughs> a poop hole. A poop hole. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Well, not so much. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then she kind of storms off, but they kind of make up a little bit. And then some, can, well, some people next to the table next who we think are Americans <laughs> uh, have an issue because the whole time Chloe was blowing her smoke in, 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 their, in their faces. And we see him get agitated. And the one guy kind of says, I'm going to say something. And then quickly realizes that he wished he hadn't. And um, Ray punches the guy in the face. <laughs> The guy's girlfriend then goes to, like, bottle him. And the conversation earlier, he was coming at you with a bottle. He's coming at you with a bottle, yeah. Self-defense. Yeah. And so because of that, we kind of go, he argued this is what you have to do. So he punches the woman in the face. (laughs) And we laugh. We do. We do. Now, at no point here for a moment are either of us um, justifying male-on-female violence. No. But I think the ridiculousness of a situation, the setup earlier, Yeah, uh, I, 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 we just laugh. It's funny because we see his rationalization of how he saw it. Yeah. And, saw the situation. And the writer, uh, was it Martin Monaghan? No. No. Um, oh. Boom. Okay, we're going to fact check that out. Yeah. He he positions us so we're supposed to laugh. That is the that is the response we're supposed to give. Yeah. We're not sitting here just finding something inappropriate going, ah, it's <laughs> No. Uh, it's not like, you know, when, unfortunately, like when the, when the child, it's uh, Martin McDonough. Sorry, Martin McDonough. And it's not like, you know, when we saw the little boy die earlier, and anybody was laughing at that, because we're not. No, no, no way. So, so um, and then uh, they, they fight and off they go, and Ray thinks he's ruined his chances because he punched some woman in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and then she kisses him and lets him know, no, nah, it's okay, you punched someone in the face. Because he tells her she's beautiful. Yeah, he says, and he says that, I don't think someone as pretty as you would want someone as yeah. bad as me. You're good. I'm bad. Yeah. So it's that trope of, and maybe, you know, when we find out what we know about her, that could be quite a... Quite a toss game because yeah. somebody sees her as beautiful and, and as a good, good person. Yeah. Good person. Yeah. And then we cut back to Ray, who's been waiting for the phone call. 
and he has the phone call and it's brilliant because it's about four minutes long and it's all one shot mm. and there's a bunch of stuff and so um, Ken tries to pretend that Ray's there because the instruction was they were supposed to be there at which point then Harry on the other end of the phone says well tell him to go for a walk and so um, Ken's coming up with these lies on his feet and then has to like retell them because he fakes a conversation you ever done that when you're like you know oh so and so's in the room yeah well uh, yeah I'll see you later. And, he's, <laughs> and he has to tell Harry line for line and fill in all the gaps of what he did. And the only line he can come up with is that um, Ray really wants to go do some bowling. So he's going to go walk around. And of course, there's no bowling alleys in Bruges. But he has to just, I, I don't know why he wants to go bowling. He just does. <laughs> and it's during this phone call that we find out that um, Ray is the target. And Ken is supposed to kill him. Mm. and phone me tomorrow when he's dead and we have seen this really cl- you know he's they've talked about heaven and hell and being a good person and there's like at the if it's not a father-son dynamic it's like an uncle nephew yeah, older brother younger brother dynamic fact check corner yeah. there is in fact a bowling alley in bruce called bowl in can can we find out the date that that was originated because <laughs> i'd be very curious bowl in that may be a struggle but those I'll try. crazy belgians um Actually, I don't think you hear the word crazy before Belgians too often. Their mm. reputation is not as being crazy. And a famous detective came from Belgium. Oh, that was Poirot, was it? It's Poirot. Hey, very good. Yeah. There's a karaoke night there right now. Well, let's at, go. at the bowling. <laughs> so maybe that's why he really wanted to find the bowling alley. Maybe Ray was... He's Irish. Maybe he just wanted yeah. to sing some songs. <laughs> he wanted to sing some... Um, oh, I don't know. Who's Irish? The Pogues. Oh, you too. <laughs> you too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it's really interesting because Harry, we find out Harry sends them to the Bruges because Harry wanted to do something nice for Ray before he dies. And at first, uh, Ken goes, well, he hates it. And then he has to backpedal big time because Harry's not taking that because Harry went once apparently when he was like seven and loved it. Yeah. And so this was his grand gesture. Let him see the beauty of Bruges and really thinks this is some kind gesture. I'm letting him see Bruges before I have him killed. And he says, and I wrote it down, I'd like to get to see Bruges again before I die. Oh. <laughs> Which. Yeah. It's just so well done. It is, isn't it's it? Such a clever script. It sets it up. So now we go back to the date, and Ray is attacked by. Ray's making out with Chloe, and he's attacked by Chloe's boyfriend. Ex boyfriend. Yeah, but they, we find out they kind of have a deal where. Um, she makes out with tourists, and then yeah. uh, Eric is his name. Eric robs them yeah. with a gun full of blanks. Well, Ray gets the gun, at which point then Eric produces a knife. Uh, Ray then finds out the gun's got blanks in it, and he goes, oh, well. And he, so he shoots Eric in the eye with a blank, blinds yeah. him. Yeah. Um, and then so they go off, uh, Chloe and her boyfriend, to go to the hospital, and Ray searches around and finds drugs. So he's got a lot of drugs, and he's got the gun. Which is what she said earlier. <laughs> yes, that, that she sells Yeah, she, yeah. she sells cocaine. So, <laughs> and so then we, we find all the drugs. And um, then we have a scene back. Everybody sort of comes back together into the hotel lobby. And uh, we have Ken. We have Ray. We have Jimmy, the actor. Oh, yeah, Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy. And then Jimmy's hired a prostitute. And um, there's this great shot. <laughs> where after Jimmy confesses that he's uh, purchased this prostitute for the evening or hired, I guess you don't purchase, you hire, I don't know, um, a prostitute for the evening, 
He goes to take the drinks over to the prostitute, but the bar is so high, and they purposely shoot him out of the frame. Just like, <laughs> you just little, see a pair of hands. Just a pair of hands, and he's like on his tiptoes, <laughs> and it's designed, again, to make us laugh. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, like, yeah. that's really dark humor to make fun of this uh, little person because yeah. he's having to live in a regular-sized person sort of setup. It, yeah. Bars aren't designed for people of that uh, height and I think we've got an update on something. Fact check corner. Um, unfortunately, the bowl in Bruges has only been open since September 2012, okay. and I am translating Belgian to uh, I'm guessing Flemish to uh, let you know that. So. Okay, excellent. Oh, well done. Yeah. So, so at the time of the film, at the time of the film, there were no bowling, bowling lanes in yeah. in Bruges. Maybe Ray eventually sets up. Do you the think bowl this in. film? Maybe. Yeah. Do you think this film caused the bowling alley to come about? Actually, there's something about the legacy of this film that we'll talk about. Maybe, maybe, maybe someone went, we need to get one. Yeah, because they've said this. I'd go. Yeah. If I'm in Bruges, I'm like, I want to find the bowling alley. (laughs) Absolutely. Maybe they're sitting there thinking, well, these tourists are all coming and they're all going to think it's really dull because there's no bowling alley. It's all they want to do. I wonder if you're a purist for the film, are you loving it or are you hating it? No! (laughs) Bruges cannot have one! Um, So then we have this giant like drug trip where everybody does cocaine. And um, Ray asks about Harry, and we can see Ken start to struggle. Yeah, We see him starting to wear, and he denies that Harry phoned, and we know it's the opposite. No news is good news. No news is good news. And we find out that back in the day, um, Ken's wife was killed, and Ken's wife was black. And we find out that um, she was killed by a white man. Yeah. And they asked, did you get the guy who did it? He says, no. And he says, Harry did. Harry at this the, point, then you understand. That he's indebted to Harry. You understand how he's torn both ways. Yeah. How he's torn to Harry because he righted the wrong that he couldn't do but needed to have righted. Yeah. But he believes, you can see, he clearly believes in Ray, who was on his first hit, and it went wrong. Yeah. He sees the good in Ray. Yeah, he does. Mm. And so Ken gets up in the morning, and it's the first time in the film he hasn't dragged Ray along with him. And he goes to get the guns. And so it started a debate while we were watching it because um, Ray wakes up and he just sort of looks hopelessly and starts to cry. And I argued it was because I felt that uh, Ray um, had wisened on to the idea that he might be a target. And you guys argued back that. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we thought he'd just woken up thinking about the little boy and with guilt. Yeah. And as the person who'd seen the film before, it soon became obvious that I was again wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and that he was. He was overwhelmed with guilt. Yeah. Uh, so Ray, sorry, Ken goes and gets a gun. And when he goes and he has the gun, he finds Ray in the park. He goes to shoot him with a silencer on the pistol. He runs up and he's, I'm going to do it. And there's this great approach shot. And he comes on out and he, he gains speed. He grabs the gun. He starts to lift it. And then we see Ray grab a gun and put it to his own temple. Yeah. And so Ray, that's right, Ken, they're both three-letter names. They are, it's doing they, him. Yeah. Ken stops him from shooting himself. He goes, what are you doing? And at which point... We're all going, what? <laughs> at which point Ray turns around and goes, what are, what are you, you doing? Because he's sitting there with the gun with the silencer, <laughs> which is about, I don't know, a good like yeah. 13 inches long now. Um just sit, sitting there out and so he tries to hide it behind his back <laughs> like he's a kid who got that's caught a, in the cookie jar that's a great great moment <laughs> nothing and they try to argue 
how is it, uh, Ray tries to argue, how is it fair for you to stop me from killing myself if you're going to kill me? Yeah. This idea of, well, it's different. No, it's not different. And so they finally come to a conclusion that Ken um, is not going to let um, Ray uh, kill himself. Yeah. And so uh, this is the tipping point for him, and Ken puts Ray on a train. And as the train goes away, Ken phones up Harry and says, you hear that? That's the sound of the train. It's got Ray on it. I don't know where he's going. Do your worst. Which is weird because earlier he was so afraid and intimidated. Yeah, he was. And this time he's clearly driving it. It kind of just eggs him on and says, do your worst. And for the first time we cut and we'd we'd seen his, uh, we'd heard him talked about. Yeah. Then we heard him, his voice. Then we heard him do a voiceover with the note. Yeah. Then we heard the phone call. Yeah. Each time we get a little more. And this time we cut and we actually get to see him. And Harry is played by Ray Fiennes. Voldemort. Voldemort with nose. <laughs> and he determines he's got to go take care of Ken. And Ken knows what he's doing here. He's setting up for 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 a showdown. It's a great little scene though with the phone, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great scene. And he, he just says, carries on and on, smashing this phone. Oh, he keeps smashing the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and his wife comes in and tells him to stop. He goes, it's an inanimate object. <laughs> and he responds with, you're an inanimate object. <laughs> and then later on, I'm sorry, sorry. I called you an inanimate <laughs> yeah. object. I, I was, was cross. Upset. I was upset. <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut back to the train. And... Uh, Ray thinks he's getting out of Bruges, which is really half the battle. Doesn't really know where he's going, nor are we really told where he's going. He's just going somewhere else yeah. besides Bruges. And then a policeman shows up, and Ray, I mean, for a guy who's a hitman, supposed to be on the run, I mean, and we're talking about going on the run for years, he couldn't be more conspicuous if he tried. <laughs> <laughs> he's like contorting his body and not looking at him straight. And the uh, police officer goes, Oh, are, are you Irish? And he admits, Yes. He goes, Well, What's your name? At which point he... He just makes up a name. And it's like like Dave Runbun. <laughs> yeah. He looks at him like, I don't even believe this. And he goes, did you hit the Canadian? And he went, Canadian? And we cut, and it's the two people who we fought in the cafe the night yeah. before. At which point he feels quite guilty that he beat up a Canadian and not the Americans, because obviously yeah. he had a thing about Americans early on. Um, and, oh, I've paused here. Dang it. And he gets sent back to the prison in Bruges, doesn't he? Right, but I think the message here is don't hit Canadians, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) It shows you that things go badly if you you oppress the Canadians. You will get your comeuppance. The universe, especially if it's a spiritual idea. Do we we, we know any Canadians? I don't know. I don't know. I know a few fake Americans. (laughs) So, um, just for those listeners out there. Ian is Canadian. Yes, I am. <laughs> All these Canadian jokes my, are aimed my, at him. My wonderful <laughs> British accent has been... Has been <laughs> Bottle? Deacon, bottle. Bottle. <laughs> Rotten tomatoes. Tomato. Yeah. Um, and so they take him back to Bruges. And more than getting arrested, he said, it. The, the policeman says, I'm taking you back to Bruges. And the, kind of the groan and the eye roll like, is just, yeah. do what you want, but don't send me to Bruges. Um. At this point, Harry goes to the same place to get a gun that Ken does earlier on, and we see Eric, who was earlier in the film, the, uh, blind the, the, guy. the boyfriend who's now yeah. got a patch over his eye, and just Harry walks in and he goes, "Aye, aye." <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, this is what I'm talking. It, it's it's so many layers for each character because Harry could have been played really easily yeah. as just 
He's the evil man. He could have been Voldemort. Everything I do is evil. Yeah. I'm just evil and I'm I'm not funny and I'm not charming and I'm not any of these things. Yeah. I'm just but he's really quite funny. He is. And, and he even sticks up for Ray. He does. Because <laughs> Eric kind of goes, Oh, I hate that guy because he well, why do you hate him? And he goes, Well, because he I tried to rob him and he took my gun and <laughs> I took pulled a knife on him and he shot me in the eye. And Harry goes, Well, sounds to me like you got exactly what was coming to you. <laughs> And I goes, well, I thought you hate him. I, I, I do, but it doesn't change the fact that you got entirely what you deserved. <laughs> and so now Eric's really angry and really hates, really, really hates Ray more than he probably already did. And yeah. possibly wants to prove himself to Harry a little bit that he's not just a complete idiot. Yeah, because Harry has completely just discounted him yeah. and embarrassed him. And so we have the face off because Harry's walking through Bruges looking for Ken. Looking with intent. Where is he hiding? And the answer is sitting down at the cafe having a pint. Right in front of you. Right in front of you. <laughs> and lifts a glass and points to a chair. And they have a very frank and open discussion. And that power dynamic, as we saw, is completely Brilliant. shifted. Yeah, he's uh, tense. There's a very inappropriate word, which is used to describe, but... Um, yeah. Several times. Yeah. Ken uses it to describe Harry and his wife and kids. And, yeah. Uh, the kids is too far. And again, and, so, he, and he admits it's and he too admits far. it, and Ken retracts it. And again, so we see like Harry's got standards and a moral code, as does Ken, as does Ray. To be fair, everyone's yeah. got a moral code. Maybe not, you know, uh, Chloe and her boyfriend. Yeah, but everybody else has ha- has a moral code. It seems like, and just as long as you don't trespass on it, everybody seems to get along okay. The bit I love about that scene is though how um, Ken was so tense on the phone call. And yet he's so laid back. Yeah. Even though he's upset Harry, he's so laid back and chilled and talking nice. Yeah. And Harry's very tense and... Oh. Well, before Ken goes to meet Harry, we see him write a note and leave it in his hotel room. The last one in Testament. And we don't see we don't that see point as the last one in Testament. But we did it kind of, as we were talking a little bit, going, it seems like he's preparing to die. Yeah. He knows what's happening. As a result, he finds freedom in this. Yeah. Whereas Ray finds freedom by telling everybody what he actually thinks of them to strangers. Yeah. Ken finds it by going, look, I know I owe you a lot, but this is going to happen. I see the possibility for change in Ray. And Harry goes, but he killed a kid. Yeah. And this is the line in the sand that Harry can't walk away from. He killed a kid. He said, if I killed a kid, I would have the gun in my mouth within seconds. Yeah. That, and he, he kind of leave it there. And he says it, but he repeats it. I would kill myself. I would kill myself there on the spot. I would he, put the gun in my mouth and did. that would be that. He did. And so it's really driven home. But this is an unbreakable line. Yeah. And um, Because that's what's driving him to go after Ray. Yeah. Yeah. So that he can't break it. He can't break it. That's the whole reason. And the fact that Ken isn't on board means it's the line that he... The buck doesn't stop with Ken, as it turns out. The buck stops with Harry. Yeah. And there's this great question, where is Ray? <laughs> and Ken goes, he could be in any one of a thousand cities, but I promise you he's not in Bruges. And then we cut. <laughs> and Chloe has just bailed out Ray. And he thinks his luck has changed. He's in Bruges. No one's coming from him. Everyone thinks he's away. And, of course, Harry's in the uh, vicinity. And um, Ken, we cut back. Ken agrees to go up the bell tower with Harry so he can die. But in that great moment, in that great moment, because um, Chloe and um, Ray? Ray are kissing yeah. as... As Ken and Harry walks by him. And just oblivious. Completely oblivious. And if, it, if it's left the way it is, things more or less would have been 
Okay. And as they walk by, uh, they go ahead and they try and go up the tower. And it turns out the tower is closed because some overweight Americans <laughs> had a heart attack the day before, and so now it's closed. Uh, Harry tries to, like, throw, I don't know, like, 100 euros at the... It's the same character, the same uh, tour guide, he ticket man, four, who wouldn't four take 490 yeah. instead of 5. And <laughs> um, the ticket guy, like, pokes Harry in the head. And it's like, we are closed <laughs> at which point then harry just like pistol whips him yeah completely but you would though but uh, so uh, he pistol whips him he touches him yeah you don't go up to somebody and you physically po- poke them in the head and especially because the audience knows who he is yeah and we know what he did with the phone if he does that to a phone what's he gonna do yeah. to somebody that's else just an inanimate object yeah, <laughs> and it's interesting because ken just walks around the barrier and starts to go up but did you notice that Harry pays the money still as yeah. he goes through? Does he? Yeah. he does. He puts the change in. <laughs> I guess he had five on him. But it's like that that moral code that Harry yeah. has is unbreakable. It costs that much to go up. I'm going to pay the money. Yeah, yeah. And they go up the bell tower. Um. Oh, I have Harry too. Oh, and he talks about Bruges. And they get up there and they kind of have a moment with Bruges. And they go, love Bruges. Hate that it's in Belgium. And the joke is they make is, well, it's got to be in Belgium because if it wasn't in Belgium, too many people would be coming to see it and they'd ruin it. And since those movies come out, a big problem that some people have said who are locals is that there's always tourists taking pictures of the parts from the film and it's actually ruined it. Oh, okay. And it's lost that kind of charm. Yeah. I've never been to Bruges. I've never been. Ellie? I have been to Bruges. Oh, how was it? It was okay. All right. There wasn't an awful lot going on there. There wasn't. There wasn't a. Uh, there wasn't a bowling alley. No. <laughs> so you and Ray would be in the same boat on that one. Did you also notice while they were up in the bell tower when um, Ken walks away from Harry? Yeah, and he turns his back to him. Oh, okay. And um, I thought, well, that's a perfect opportunity to just pop him, but he doesn't. We quickly learn it's not that kind of arrangement that's going to no, happen up there. No, exactly. Uh, but I am thinking we should go to Bruges and we should record an episode in Bruges. We should do this. <laughs> in Bruges. And we'll review some other film. <laughs> but in Bruges. <laughs> and then go to the next place, wherever that's done. <laughs> this, could get, this could get expensive. <laughs> yeah. We could review billboards in Bruges. Billboards in Bruges. Yeah. And or, then go to Missouri and then review another film. Or Kingpin. That's about bowling, isn't it? That is, We yeah. could review Kingpin in Bruges. Um, and so... La big Lebrowski, whatever it is. Harry won't shoot Ken because Ken won't pick up his gun. But Ken's saying, I'm not going to pick the gun up. If you need to shoot me, I totally get it. I don't want you to. Yeah. But I owe you too much. And he uses the word love. I love you, Harry. Yeah. And I, I'm thinking, geez, Harry's just going to off him right now. Yeah, because Harry, you kind of think Harry would. Yeah. And then Harry kind of, he literally says. Um, the F word. The F word. But he goes, I can't shoot you. I can't you. do this. Yeah. Uh after you just shared this with me. Yeah. I've got something written down. I can't do it. Oh, there we go. That's a different scene. But no, so there's this thing that they, they cannot shoot each other. They make the decision. They're not going to, sh- they're not going to fight. Them. But um, Harry does shoot um, Ken in the leg. Yeah. That's his penalty. Yeah. And he's like, I can't let you go without shooting you at all. <laughs> yeah. But he's helping him down the stairs. He there is, is this thing. He could yeah. have left him, but he helps him he down the stairs. Yeah. And as this happens, Chloe and Ray are still downstairs making out, oblivious to what's going on. Completely. Uh, at this time, Eric, with the eye patch, walks by, sees them, and scarpers up 
and see this the, way of yeah, yeah and see that they're alive. And they do wave to him and sort of offer him like a seat yeah. and kind of say, but he's not having it. He's because no. he knows where Harry is, so he runs up to go find Harry. And um, Jimmy comes by, and Jimmy's dressed in a little schoolboy costume for the movie they're shooting that night. And he offers them to come by the set. And they kind of say no, because they're planning on going back to one of the the hotel room or to her place and having an evening together. And he goes, oh, it's like that. He goes, fine. He goes, well, uh, I'll see you in another life then, Yeah, is what he says as he leaves. And you're just going, jeez. It does. This is so well done. And if you're paying attention, maybe you're starting to see some pieces get put in place. Yeah. Um, at which point then Eric with the patch finds Harry and tells them that Ray's downstairs. I just enjoying the fact that he's Eric with the patch Eric with and the not patch. just Eric. <laughs> it, just help, it just helps, I think. Eric with the patch and says he's downstairs. At which point then Harry and... Can go from like best buds <laughs> who are just reconciled to like bloodlust. Now yeah. we will kill each other. One to kill um, Ray and one to protect Ray. Yeah, but they will do this. And so Harry ends up shooting. Um, after a brief struggle, Harry shoots Ken in the throat. Yeah, and leaves him, which should kill somebody. It should kill somebody. <laughs> and we going back to your theory earlier. As he's grabbing his neck on the floor, um, Ken looks at the gun that's been dropped. And starts dragging himself back up to it. Because it must be much closer to the top than the yeah. bottom for this timeline to work. And he drags himself and he gets all the way up to the top. And he can't see because the mist has come in. The fog has come in. So he starts dropping coins out of his hand. It's the same coins that he couldn't pay for the um, trip for trip earlier. To go up the top. And because he's doing this. Four euros ev- 90. Four euros 90. Because of this, everybody gets out of the way of a dropping change. Yeah. So he actually... Because we find out he starts climbing over the railing and we're going, oh, she's going to jump. But if he doesn't drop those coins, he probably lands on someone. Yeah. Or at least it's not believable that he yeah. wouldn't have landed on someone. Yeah. And that's about where the believability ends because then he drops on the ground and Ray There's ru- a wait, massive splash there's of There's a blood. massive splash. Like, you think and he's liquefied. Thump- yeah. yeah. I but do he not watch this film if you're no, like, that's very, sensitive uh, to oh, gore. See, I'm <laughs> sort of sensitive, but I don't have any issue with it. I think because it's like a long shot. And I swear, later on... Um, shortly after that, you see his brain. Oh, there's something, yeah, something like, like that. Oh, I kind of thought he was liquid. Yeah, but then he goes up, and he's just—it's kind of like I'm—I'm I'm not quite dead yet because yeah. <laughs> he's not dead yet. But keep in mind, this is the top of a cathedral yeah. bell tower. Which like, like his legs are definitely gone. But yeah. he goes, Harry is here. Take my gun. And again, this moment that should be really, really and it is heavy and it is poignant is all of these things. He's just sacrificed himself, not to save Ray necessarily, but to give him a chance and to be him, saved. Yeah, give him a warning. Just to give him a warning. And he says, Take my gun. And we're kind of all going, Oh, jeez, this is the biggest thing I think that's happened. Yeah. Besides the death of a little boy early yeah. on. It's the biggest emotional punch. But then he grabs the gun and it's in pieces. pieces. <laughs> It's like a spring sticking out. <laughs> the springs are sticking out. And you're like, this is funny. And it's, it's that wonderful line that uh, Martin McDonough walks with his writing in his direction that he plays with this tone so well. Yeah. And so he goes, where's the gun? Where's the gun? Where's my gun? The gun you stole off me after he tries to kill himself. Yeah. <laughs> Ken just goes, I think I'm going to die now. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't tell him. It shouldn't be funny. Yeah. Well, it should be funny because he wants it to be funny. Yeah. But again, it's just about walking that line. And so they have a bit of a shootout. 
Uh, well, basically, not quite a shit. Because for the first time all movie now, Harry has seen Ken. No, Harry has seen Ray. Right. And Ray has seen Harry. And basically, it turns into Colin Farrell running away from Voldemort. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, going back to your theory, yeah. he should have been able to shoot him. Yeah. Especially and, when we find out what, later on, yeah. Yeah. And, and, but he misses every time. And he's got the special bullets, which we should mention. Yeah, he's got the bullets that we've been promised, the dum-dums, which make people's heads blow up. That's right. Not just shoots them, but it makes them explode. Explode. <laughs> but it only happens when you hit the head, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Otherwise, they just go straight through you. Otherwise, they just go straight through you. It's quite two very different reactions. But um, Ray now makes his way back to the hotel because it's got to be there. Yeah. And he gets there. And uh, he goes into it, and we see that we have the last will and testament of um, Ken that he left there before. It kind of annoys me a little bit that we don't. Oh, what a we don't get to know what it is. Do you yeah, know what I, mean? I wanted that, that moment, payoff of maybe opening. Oh, but he finds the gun, and Harry's now found his way in, and Harry has um, confronting uh, Marie, who owns the um, hotel with with her husband, who's, who we don't see, who's come to like. Ray and kind of like Ray and especially and Ken. Ken. Yeah, there's a little bit of a romantic energy actually between the two of them. There's a bit of something. I think. There. I think. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll, she's a pregnant married woman. I, know, I, I think we're good. Not there's an energy there. No, but and, and she's there's an understanding. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But she's very strong, and so Harry tries to intimidate her, and uh, she's pregnant, and I think is a way of trying to um, make up, like we said, like yeah. the suggestion was save the next kid. Then he makes the um, Ray shouts out. Maria, I want you to go, and Harry, I want you to promise that you won't. You will wait till she leaves before you. We start shooting, and he goes, "I promise," because we know Harry's got a code as well. Yeah, he will he, not hurt children. Yeah, no. So, the, but the problem is, Marie won't leave. <laughs> she goes, "No, I'm not leaving." And we and respect she her. She's, on a, the stairs, she's yeah. a great she's character. She's really, she's great. This pregnant woman was like, "No, I don't care if you both." Have, and she goes, and they start negotiating that under what terms <laughs> it's going to happen. And and Ray goes, "Well, there's a canal. I'm going to jump out the window, and you can go ahead and follow me. And if you can shoot me, then you shoot me." But if I get away, then I get away. And that's kind of a deal. And Marie goes, what? you two are idiots. What are you talking <laughs> about? It's so much so that like, um, Ray's giving him instructions. Like, no, you go out and you turn right. You don't turn left. It's a canal. How can you miss the canal? <laughs> and again, it's very this comedic bit. He goes, why don't you guys put your guns away and just talk about this, Marie says. And I think Ray, uh, I think, no, sorry, uh, to, Harry. to Harry. I think Harry's line is, don't be stupid. This, this is, this is shoot. the shootout. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's like for a brief moment, they, everyone becomes aware they're in a movie. That's Just funny. a glimmer of it. That's funny. And so he says, again, uh, oh, he said earlier, he, um, Harry did re- repeat, and I want to make sure we get this across, you can't kill a kid and expect to get away with it. Yeah, he reinforces And he definitely that. made this an absolute, um, I think. Like a crusade that he's... He's right. This, wrong. Is the, this is the line. He, yeah. he he does not have a way out. No. And so Ray spills out the back window and happens to see a boat, a little canal boat going by. He jumps on it, lands on the canvas roof, and it looks like he's going to get away. And he sees Harry line up with his gun on the shore, and he says audibly, that's too far. He can't make that shot. And I don't know about you. I'm maybe going to, like, lay down. Yeah, or something. Give him a smaller target. <laughs> yeah. But he basically just sits there and basically just challenges him. Can you make the shot? Turns out he can. He can, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he gets hit in the stomach. Somehow they end up back on land. And they end up just through the... And it's a much slower chase this time because Colin Farrell can't outdistance the guy who hasn't been shot now. No. And... And they make it to the movie set. They stumble they? into the movie set. Yeah. And again, let's forget, I forget Jimmy's dressed in his little... 
costume as like a schoolboy because that's what they wanted for this movie. Yeah. But before you even see him, you've got all these sort of plague masks and things around, haven't you? It's yeah. really yeah. creepy looking people. And Which I think is reminiscent. I think it's reminiscent of that painting we saw, The Last Judgment. Yeah. Yeah. It's got images of that and this overture, this idea of if it's spiritual, are these demons, are these whatever, yeah. what is this? And if you can, so as they go by, he finally lines up to, um, Harry finally lines up to Ray and just shoots him about three times in the chest. In, in, the, in the back, doesn't he? In the back, sorry, in the back. Yeah. And um, Ray drops to his knees and then falls over. And then Which point before, before that, that, yeah, Jimmy comes running over. And I think Jimmy came running over because earlier in the film we didn't talk about it, but Ray gave him grief for not waving to him in the yeah, market square. That's right, yeah. So I think uh, Jimmy's trying to right or wrong yeah. here and get some and go, look, no, I'm your friend. I'm coming over to say hello. Well, I thought he was running over to him because he could see that he was bleeding. No, I think it's the idea that you saw me across the square, the same square we're in now. And, well, but if, let's know what you think. Why did Jimmy yeah. come over? Is it because he's trying to make up for uh, for the snub supposedly earlier when he was in a horse tranquilizer? <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't really talk about. No, <laughs> but Ray was like, "You're from Chloe." Yeah, Ray's going. He's he's not very big. You really shouldn't be taking horse tranquilizer. <laughs> that could do some damage. Uh, or do you think it's because he saw he was bleeding and was concerned? Yeah, let us know. And so um, he gets shot. Ray gets shot three times by Harry in the back, and he falls to his knees. And then we see, kind of from I think it's Harry's perspective, he sees Ray, but then he sees a headless torso yeah. dressed in a little boy's school uniform. That's right. And we're going, oh no, because he's been saying this is the unbreakable line. Yeah. And when he was talking to Kenny, he Ken. said, if it happens, I would shoot myself there. And Ray sees this and puts two and two together. And, and tries to warn him and say, no, it's not what you think. Yeah, I think he's trying to save him. He's trying to save him. Yeah. It's not what you think. At which point, it doesn't matter. Harry puts the gun to his head or his mouth or something and pulls the trigger pulls and kills trigger. himself. Yeah. And then just as a little bit of a coda, we have the voiceover return from Ray where he says, I had planned to go back to the mother of the boy who I killed. Tell her what I did and then whatever it is, if it's jail, if it's death, whatever... I'll take it. Yeah. But it's got to be better than living in Bruges. <laughs> and he makes this kind of comparison to Bruges as hell. He says, I really, really hope, I really don't want to die. He says, I really yeah. don't want to die. And it kind of, it doesn't fade to it just cuts. He's in, the, he's in the back of the ambulance and it cuts. And that's the film. Yeah. And so we're left on this ambiguous ending where we have to go, does he live? Does he die? So what do you think? Does he live? Does he die? I think he dies. Okay. Yeah, I think I think he does. Because there's too much of a statement, I want to live, I want to live. Okay. Ellie? <laughs> um, well, was he ever alive in the first place yeah. is the question, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's that sort of, is he... It, that moment at the end when he's in the ambulance is again sort of like he's in purgatory, is that... Is he going to is he going to make it? Is he going to be feel dragged that, under? I feel it's um, redemption for him. Yeah, there was a different. There was a difference in the screenplay. In the screenplay, it says there was never seen. Oh, and, okay. And he lives. Oh, However, okay. if it doesn't make it on the screen, 
I don't know if it counts. I don't think it can count. No. Because obviously they could have shot that scene. They chose not to. Yeah. And so within that, does Live Does He Die, it gets rid of all that cool spiritual stuff if you give it a definitive ending. Yeah. Or if you see him show up back in London, you're going, okay, well, it's just a movie about whatever. And I think, to hit your point, I think it is redemption. Absolutely, it's redemption. Yeah. Because um, I think many characters redeem themselves. I think we have... uh, Ken redeems himself, not once but twice. He redeems himself the first time when he puts Ray on the train. Yeah. Redeems himself the second time when he jumps off a tower. Gives him the warning. To, to warn him. I yeah. think that forgives him for the sin he did, which was killing the lollipop man. Yeah. Um, then we have uh, Ray, who um, saves the Marie and her baby. Yeah. Right? And does that, and the fact that he takes atonement, I mean, he always he always did feel bad, but I think that's the big thing is he saves Marie, or he tries to save Marie, even if she won't get out of the way. Yeah, I think he atones for himself. Oh, and he tries to warn Harry. Yeah, I yeah, think that's yeah, atonement. Yeah. So yeah. I think even 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 when Harry's got him, yeah, and he's going, he still tries to say, "Look, no, it's not the it's not a kid." Whereas Harry, we don't see that he could, and and. Uh, Everybody believes in everybody else and tries to make and believes in second chances, redemption, forgiveness, all very biblical kind of. But Ray, not Ray, Harry doesn't. Harry is like an Old Testament. No, you did this. You will die for this. And there is no flexibility. There is no forgiveness even to himself. And so it Bruges is Bruges the place of your final judgment. And two of them win in different ways, Ken and uh, Ray. And one loses, which is Harry. But he did say, I would like to see Bruges, Bruges one more time before I, I die. die. And I think it's why he's such a well-written villain in yeah. this piece. Because uh, I, mean, I don't want to compare him too much to a comic book villain. But you take someone like Thanos from, and you kind of go, I understand. Yeah, I don't agree. Yeah, But I understand his logic. It makes sense. It's not just from the evil world of evil. And I like to eat yeah. evil cereal and drink evil coffee and wear black because that's what I do because I'm evil. He's, this is my principle. He passed this line. I can't let him go because the whole film's about hitmen. Yeah, like there's no one who's morally that good in no. it, and they all think they're doing the right thing for a certain reason. Yeah, maybe it's Harry. to justify their means of the, what they do. Yeah, I mean Harry's a family man, yeah. and we have to consider when he dies, he's not going home. And we, they show us his kids. Yeah, and when are you coming home, Daddy? You know, and you're going, yeah. they humanized him to us. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's so. It's not as I think this whole thing's about the shades of grey. And she also says, um, you know, is this? Are you coming back? Yeah. Is it going to be dangerous? It's yeah. going to be dangerous. Take the fellows with you. Yeah, yeah. And it's not because this was a personal, personal. line in the yeah. sand. Yeah. Um, so that was uh, that. Was some little key facts that I uh, found. One of them is that I hope I can find my phone and get it to load up quickly enough. Do you know? I I'm actually looking forward to watching it again sometime. Because after seeing, it's a bit like um, watching a film like Usual Suspects. Yeah. You know, you can watch it for the first time, have that shock at the end, and then watch it a second time and go, oh, that makes sense. All those little things. And that's the same with this. A lot of swearing in this film. There is a lot of swearing in this film. (laughs) If you want to have a guess how many F-bombs got dropped in this film. The film's 108 minutes long. I'm going to say... Probably about 108. <laughs> 78. 126. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> and More that's not even including like all the C words. No. And, like, it's a foul movie as far as wow. that goes. Uh, favorite characters? 
one of my standout characters actually was yep. the um, pregnant Marie. Marie Absolutely, great. Marie's great, great and character. It was, it was great that she was a strong female role in the film because I think Chloe is perhaps a little bit. I didn't weak. like Chloe, to be fair. <laughs> no. Once I got to know her, I didn't like her. Um, I, I, I liked Marie because she had no connection to these people, and yet she was still willing to fight and stand up. Because she'd seen the decency in them. She didn't yeah. She didn't necessarily know what they did, but she'd seen the good side of them when Ray offered her the money for the baby yeah. and when Ken was kind to her and apologised to her in the morning. Yeah. And... It, it was interesting that she was... Um... She makes it quite clear that she owns the re- the hotel. I keep wanting to call it a restaurant. She owns the hotel of her husband. We never see the husband. Never see the husband. Never yeah. She's always independent of him. And we see her all the time of the day of night. Yeah. And uh, I think that's good because in other films, he would be there to protect her and, you know, mm. do you have your wife? I've got my wife. No, she stands up for herself. Even when she could be quote unquote vulnerable, she yeah. stands up for herself. I also so. like Jimmy as well. Jimmy? Yeah. Jimmy was funny. He was great. Yeah. But again, much like Chloe, I think he was just there for plot purposes. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. 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 I mean, Jimmy exists. Really, Jimmy exists to give you that final vision. That, that final payoff. Yeah. yeah. And you have to have that. Yeah. Um, but somehow, there is this idea that Jimmy's death doesn't really matter, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's, yeah. Not, he's not really a kid. It's okay. He's just, <laughs> he's just a little person who you've uh, killed. Uh, he's uh, a dispensable uh, life. <laughs> seems wrong doesn't it, it does. but but you do you do um i really liked i know he's not a minor character i really really like ken yeah i thought he was fantastic ken was so multi-layered yeah i don't think there's any point in the film where you dislike ken no where you, th- where no. you think he's perhaps a bit of a bad person no, or, not at all because you get that remorse when he goes and picks up the gun and knows what he's got to do and although he starts to follow through with the plan he never yeah. Looks like he wants to. So, yeah, yeah. You, you definitely see the struggle the whole way through. Um, anybody? I mean, I really like Harry. He's a villain. Yeah, I really liked him, and I thought it was a great. But job do you done. think? Do you think you like Harry though because of his strong principles? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's no. There's no. Um, you know, like you see villains in the past. You know, like even the Joker in um, Batman with Mark Keaton. Yep. You know, you've got his henchman, haven't you? Yeah. Who. Oh, I can't think of his name now. But um, he's with him through the whole film. And then he's just discarded like that, like nothing. Okay. He shoots him. And uh, like he's a, he's a nobody to him. But he's been there through the whole thing. Right. Where Harry isn't that kind of villain. Harry's the kind of villain that, you know, right is right, wrong is wrong in his eyes. Those, not what yeah. we see as right and wrong. Those two scenes, the one down when they're having a pint. Yeah. Half, and then the one up in the bell tower. So important. Yeah, very. So important. And going, he's not just a one-note anger machine. No, no. But I think also the bit where you see his home. I think that's really important. You yeah. see his family. And the remorse with his wife when he says, you're not an inanimate object. Yeah, he you makes know, it he, right. He makes a, he makes a point. That, yeah. You know, like, here's, I'm who sorry. I, here's who I am to the boys outside. I have yeah. to be this figure of menace. But in the home, I was too far. I'm sorry yeah. about that. It, yeah. it is worth noting that the first time you ever see him, he does sort of become a bit of an object of ridicule. You just start laughing at him because he's smashing his phone to bits yeah. over yeah. and over and again. Which is a la- slightly little prolonged yeah. than you expect. Which makes it even more funny. It just it makes, makes it, him yeah. look more ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Not yeah. so much menace, but yeah. like ridiculous. Like, okay, got it. Um, there's a lot of people from the Harry Potter universe in this. I don't know if you noticed or not. I only know the Mad Eye, obviously Ken. Ken. And Voldemort. 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 Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Uh, Chloe. 
Really? Chloe was a character she called... She is Fleur, Fleur de la Cure, isn't she? Very I knew good. I recognised her. I have no idea who that is. I just saw oh, her. She's part of the Triwizard Tournament. Oh, is she? So she's uh, one of the one of the girls from the French oh, school. Oh, is she the, like the best wizard of the, of the French girly school yeah, when so it was all about like high school relationships? Oh, okay. She's one of the competitors. I've only yeah. seen it once. So. The priest who gets killed. Oh, really? The priest was someone, and maybe someone... Aberforth Dumbledore? Oh, the brother. Is it? The brother of Dumbledore. Yeah, is that yeah, in... Yeah, yeah, That's okay. near the... Is that in the new the, ones, or is that in the old? Yeah, in later, the later ones. Later ones. Yeah. Oh, really? It's like a flashback, or they age him up, or what happens? No. Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> no, I think I think he's... Dumbledore's brother, he plays in a picture in one of the taverns. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. oh okay. And then, of course, uh, Colin Farrell was the baddie in the first... Um, oh, what's the spin-off to Harry yeah, Potter? Yeah, yeah. Um, Fantastic Beasts. Fantastic Beasts, yeah. Po- Pokemon Go, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Find them and catch them all. Yeah. Um, so we have that, which is interesting. Uh, it was just really weird that they all ended up in the same kind of film. So, Can we just put on, the, for the benefit of the um, the mic, that Aberforth is in the pictures? Oh, Aberforth. wouldn't have been picked up on the mic. Yeah, Aberforth <laughs> is apparently, the priest shows up in one of the pictures as Dumbledore's brother. Um, the music he them out of Hogsmeade. The music I thought was very, very good. Uh, the score was by someone called Carter Burwell, who's done all the stuff with Martin McDonough, including Three Billboards. Oh, we've got to review that film and a bunch of stuff uh, from the Coens. Yeah, so uh, including Fargo, which I love. I love not Fargo. seen that. Fargo's very good, and oh, cool. uh, No Country for Old Men, but there's like no score. I don't know what he did. He might have played two notes, but that would have been it. Again, not seen that. Oh, either. both both. Really good I've films. heard. I've heard good things. Really, really good films. So let's play. We're getting a little bit long on time, but we still have time for it. So let's play uh, best role ever because we actually have some some people to talk about here. Colin Farrell, best role ever. Mm. I liked him in a film that no one else has ever heard of. <laughs> um, what was it called? He plays basically. He plays um, Jesse James. Okay. Uh, Merrick. American, oh, I can't remember what it was called. That was a movie that came. Is it, is it the assassination of Jesse James by the coward? No, no, it was not. One? No, okay. um, it was a, it was a B movie. Okay, um, I really liked. It. He played Jesse James. Okay, while that gets looked up, uh, okay, we haven't found it yet. Uh, I'm going to throw some out. Uh, phone booth. Oh, phone booth. You ever see phone good. booth? Yeah, him in a phone box, pretty much in real time for a hundred minutes. Uh, I'm also going to go... The Harry Potter movie was all right, but I'm going to throw down Saving Mr. Banks. That Maybe. was a great movie. That was a really good performance. And I don't know between the two which one I prefer because he was very good in Saving Mr. Banks. American Outlaws. American Outlaws? Yeah. Excellent. American Outlaws. Um, <clears throat> what about if we went with our good friend... Oh, I've forgotten his name now. Something Gleason. Brendan Gleason. Brendan Gleason. <clears throat> I think the role we all know him as is Mad Eye Moody. Yeah. I think this is by far a better performance. I liked him in this, yeah. He's really good. Yeah. Really, really good. Um, anybody else? Have, oh, Ralph Ray Fiennes. Yeah. Is it this? English Patient. Oh, he wasn't that too. I hated the English Patient. I did, but that yeah. was so reviewed by the critics and yep. everybody. And Have you seen Grand Budapest Hotel? No. Oh, he's phenomenal. Yes. He's phenomenal in Grand Budapest oh, really? Hotel. 
I love him in this too, but there's more of him. In Grand Budapest, it's his movie. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In this one, not so much, but I do really like him in this. I mean, way more than any of the Voldemort pieces. Yeah. <laughs> so. And then uh, the director, I guess, is just the last one left to go. This or three billboards? Three billboards all the yeah, way. Yeah, they're all the both very, very good. But film just blew my mind. And, and again, the ending... We will talk another time when we, we, when we review it. We will. Because <laughs> um, I could talk about that film for, for ages. At least, is there anything that any of those characters that or actors that we were talking about that you went, no, I think I prefer them better in this or that? You're asking the person that's not seen that many films. <laughs> You're in the right spot on a, on a film. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, that's fine. Um, I, do, I do agree with you about uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. And Ray Fiennes. Wes Anderson. Yeah, you haven't seen that, have you? No. Uh, I don't know if it's on the list or not. I really hope it is. If it's not, we'll, we'll, it'll be one of those ones like three billboards we'll have to put we'll on there. Put on the yeah, when it's appropriate. Okay, let's play the How Old game because that's always a fun one. Shall we? Mm. All right. Colin Farrell. I'm going to say, what, during this movie yeah, or now? It's always during the film. During so the film. When, when, when they shot that, how old was he? Oh, God. Um, that was 2008, you said, didn't you? Yes, it is. I would say... 37. Okay. I think maybe 40. 32. Wow. He's a baby. Yeah, yeah. Wow. 32. I think you had to have that for the young guy, old guy. Kind yeah. Of mystique. Yeah. Maybe he just looked a bit weathered because he was so distressed. <laughs> it's just Irish. <laughs> all Irish. All Irish. All Irish. About yeah. Five years too many on him. Uh, Ray Fines. <laughs> <laughs> Ray Fines. Don't uh, call him Ralph, even though it's spelt that way. It's Ray for some reason. Rafe. Ray Fines. Um, Ray Fines. I'm going to say older, 46. Mm, I think around the same. Let's say 45, just so it's a different answer. 45 is correct. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what about Brendan Gleeson? Fifty-six. Fifty-six. Fifty-eight. Fifty-three. Oh, this is like you said, five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Irish. Uh, what about Chloe? Younger. Um, twenty. Twenty-seven. Okay. Thirty. Twenty-six on oh. that one. Sounds good. One. And finally, just out of curiosity, Jimmy. Jimmy, oh. 33. I think he's older. Maybe like 41. 35, which I was surprised by. I would have put him in his 20s. I really oh, would have. Oh. 35 and Colin Farrell was 32. I would not have put Jimmy yeah. older than Colin no. Farrell on that one. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to look up, uh, what was her name? Ma, 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 ma. Oh, Marie. Marie. Didn't get a chance to look her up. So, but... But any uh, any last things? Any quotable quotables? Any favorite lines you can say that are uh, appropriate? I think I'm going to die now. I think I'm going to die now. Yeah, uh, you're an inanimate object. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was great. Um, I mean, the one about if I grew up on a farm and something else, I might be impressed by Bruges was fantastic. Um, oh, they're filming something. They're filming midgets. <laughs> so that was. Uh, Excellent. I really enjoyed the movie. I just want to see if we can... F- Are you looking that up? What, Marie? Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't want to move on to something else to talk about the next film while we're just finishing this up. Because we have gone a bit heavy on this one. That's okay. But overall... 
Um, so I'll tell you what, if we leave Marie de Vicenza time, we leave Marie de Vicenza time. So the big question is, out of 10, where, where are we going to place this? Is this the best film ever? As always, we'll have our guest go first. And a rating out of 10, Ellie, where would you, uh, where, where would you place this? I think maybe seven, seven and a half. Seven, so you, you can't go seven, seven and a half. You oh, have to actually I, punch I, it I, to I a, to a go, number. I want to go somewhere in between. Well, seven Georgia point, last week went eight point six two seven. So in that case, I'll go for seven point two five. Seven point two five. Bang in the middle of those. Liam, it surprised me. I'm going to say seven and a half. Seven and a half. Mm. I went nine. Ooh. I love this film. Nine. So seven and a half and nine is 16. Maybe I'd feel that way after I've seen it a few times. Maybe. Yeah. Because like I say, looking at it in hindsight, yeah. you know, again, you see all the bits add up. Yeah. Because the first time watching it, you're not seeing the bits add up, only bits yeah. of it add up. So, yeah. I think there's one that, that did stay with me the first time I watched it, yeah. especially with the, the whole purgatory element. Yeah. I really carried it around. And then I think I appreciate even more watching it a second time. So it does put us at 16 and a half, which is just below Back to the Future, which is still Ooh. our leader at 17 points. Okay. So three films in the books. That's where we're at. So it's my turn to pick the film for Ooh. next week. Well, interesting on to hear this one. <clears throat> so uh, we've gone avant-garde a little bit for a couple now. Yeah. Emily, and a little bit off the beaten path with Bruges. I'm flipping the script and going a pretty much as mainstream as we can go. Okay. I'm going to go with... <clears throat> A, um, you actually kind of made a pass in reference to it earlier. Oh, did I? I'm going to do, I think it's also, oh, I think it might also be from 2008. I think it is. Okay. I'm going to talk about the Academy Award winning performance by Heath Ledger as the oh, Joker okay. in the Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Oh, come on. Dark Knight for my episode favorite, four. My favorite boy all far. Of what films or of uh, no, films? No, or of, of um, or? Batman films. It is indeed 2008. It is 2008. So yeah. we're saying the same year. That's interesting. 2008, yeah. we had In Bruges, and we're getting this. So it's a longer one. And I was one of those people who said at the time, Heath Ledger, really? Yeah. So I think if you're listening to this, I think most people have uh, probably seen The yeah. Dark Knight. Have you seen The Dark Knight? I have seen The Dark Knight. There we go. So this is one we've all seen, but still worth a revisit. Uh, very interesting in times we talk about human morality and decency and what's the right thing to do. And is it about yourself or is it about the community? Things that we can definitely appreciate, I think, absolutely today. So next time we're there, it will be The Dark, Dark Knight. Night. Not The Dark Knight Rises. You don't have to watch no, that. No, Not yet. Not yet. But The Dark Knight it will be. And uh, so we'll see if we can put a smile on that face. On that note, how old was Marie? Did you want to have a guess? Oh, geez, I'm not used to be on this side of it. Uh, okay. Go on, you go first. I'm going to go 31. I'm going to go 33. Well, bang in the middle. She was 32. There we go. Hey, we're going to a little bit of accuracy there. Yeah. Almost one for one, so I'll take that. Yeah. I got Vin Diesel right last week, too. You so did. I'm, I'm, you I'm, did. I'm pretty good at this game, it would seem. Uh, but so well, next week, we'll put a smile on that face and we'll do a little <laughs> bit of the Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah, I like and that. And so, um, just to uh, to let you know, I've, I've been Ian, and I've been Liam, and I've been Ellie, and where we're going next week, you don't need roads. <laughs> Love it. There's a Christmas tree somewhere in London with a bunch of presents underneath it that'll never be opened. And I thought, if I survive all this, I'll go to that house, apologize to the mother there, and accept whatever punishment she chose for me. Prison, death, it didn't matter. 
Because at least in prison and at least in death, you know, I wouldn't be in fucking Bruges. But then, like a flash, it came to me. And I realised... Fuck, man. Maybe that's what hell is. The entire rest of eternity spent in fucking Bruges. And I really, really hoped I wouldn't die. I really, really hoped I wouldn't die.